Amen. If you're not already, please stand with me today. Amen. It's so good to be at Connection Point Church today. Uh, today is a special day as we have uh, our, our own Micah back home with us, uh, visiting us uh, from, from school, and uh, she has brought with her her wonderful fiancé, incredible young man. It's a calling of God on his life. Uh, Zane Crossan is a graduate of Indiana Bible College. Just tremendous character and reputation and so excited about what God is doing in his life and in their life. And I just wanted to have, wanted to invite Zane to come preach for us and trying to get it nailed down here the past several months, but he has agreed to be with us today. And so all the way from the state of Illinois, I want you to put your hands together. I want you to welcome Brother Zane Crossan as he comes to preach the word of the Lord. Amen. Come on, Brother Zane. Minister to us. How many is glad to be here this morning? I know it's snowing outside and cold, but it's warm in here, amen? Get everything situated. I'm going to be taking my first portion of text from John chapter 3, a very popular portion of Scripture. get my timer out here so I don't get in the way of lunch. How many is glad to be here this morning? How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I'm sure there's plenty of places we could be. I'm pl- you know, sure there's plenty of things we could be doing, but this morning we're taking time for the most important thing. Amen. I want to give honor to Pastor Nolan for this opportunity. I don't take it lightly. There's a huge weight of responsibility standing behind a pulpit and delivering God's word. It's a, a huge, a huge weight just to take God's word and to communicate it clearly and effectively. And, and it's not one that I take lightly. And so I want to give Pastor you thanks for this, this time here this morning. So I'd like to draw my text from John chapter 3 and verse number 16. I'm sure we can probably quote it by heart. But it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life before you're seated this morning if we could just pray and ask God to prepare our hearts and our minds for what he has for us this morning Jesus we thank you for this opportunity to be here today God I thank you for your word God that you have given us that guides us through our life God I pray that you would speak to our hearts that you would speak to our minds God that we would be receptive and open to your word this morning God I pray that you would touch me and touch my lips of clay that I might speak clearly and communicate communicate effectively your word God amen everybody say amen you may be seated does anybody remember the song 
by an artist named Hadaway. It came out in 1993. And I'm sure there might be some that, okay, I, I, I kind of remember, it sounds familiar. And once I give you the hint, everybody is going to know it. It's, it's a song you can't help but just kind of sing along, kind of bob your head to. But, but it simply goes like this. What is love? Dun, dun, dun. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Is on the charts. It's actually from Europe, I found out. But it's just kind of a song. And that's about, that's about the entire song right there. Just what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt me no more. And it's, it's such a catchy tune. You hear it on the radio and you, you kind of just, uh, you just kind of sing along to it and bob your head. But, but it's an interesting question. And, and I think that it's something that maybe we all can kind of relate to in, in, in asking that question of, of what is love? Can, can you see love? Can you, can you just take and can you look at and see love? Can you, can you hear love? We can hear the word love, but, but can you hear love? Can you reach out and can you grab a hold of love? Can, can someone hand you love? Now, we might not be able to answer these questions because they're abstract. It's, love is an abstract thing. It's not something that you can pinpoint as saying, this right here is love. I can pick this up and, and show you that this is love, but it's something that deep down we all know and we all feel. And so looking back at the scripture, it says that God so loved the world, meaning he loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son, which is God himself robed in flesh. And he sent himself for you and I, that God loved humanity so much that even after the fall from the Garden of Eden, even after the law of the Old Testament being broken time and time again by the children of Israel, that he still said, you know what, I'm going to make a way of escape. You see, it was his love for us, his love for you, his love for I, that, that he put on this flesh, he put on this mortality, and he went to the cross and suffered and died. That he took on the weight of our sin, the weight of our transgressions, and he took the punishment and the shame that we have from sin, and he put it on himself and he carried it to the cross. See, it was this act of love. It was the act of love that drove him to the cross to to take that weight, to take that burden upon himself saying, you know, I know they can't do it without me, so I'm going to come myself and I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And all he asks in return, all God desires from us is that we simply love him. That's all the whole crux of the matter. The, the whole meaning of the word of God is God's love for man and asking us to love him back. See, the Bible commands us to love. The first four commandments of the Ten Commandments are instructions in loving God, with the latter six showing us how to love our neighbors. Because we have to first get that relationship with God right before we can truly have a relationship with our fellow man. We have to love God first before we can understand what it means to love one another. 
And Jesus reiterates this in Mark chapter 12 and starting in verse 29, he says, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And this is the first commandment. And if we look back to John chapter 3 and verse 16, we see that we will not perish. We will have everlasting life with Jesus if we love God. Because God first loved us. He loved us so much that he went to the cross for our sins that we could have that way of escape from the punishment. And all he says is, will you just love me? Will you believe on me? And so this morning, I want to simply talk about loving God. Just a simple topic that I believe that the whole Christian faith, the whole foundation of what we believe, the whole foundation of the Bible centers around is simply loving God. You see, loving God is not some one-time event. Loving God is not saying, I was baptized, so therefore I've showed my love to God and I'm done. I, ha I don't have to do anything else. Loving God is not saying, oh, I went to church this Sunday. I'm good until next Sunday. It's not saying, I, I love God, so, so I won't do this and I won't do that. It's loving God is more than just repenting. It's more than just being baptized. It's more than just speaking in tongues or going to church each and every Sunday and Wednesday. While all those things are important, loving God is more than that. See, loving God is a commitment. It's a relationship. And for all you married men, and I'm looking forward to that day very soon, loving your wife is not just saying the vows on your wedding day and being done and living your life how you would like. It's not just a one-time decision that you make to say those vows and to love your wife and say, oh, I told her I loved her on my wedding day. I don't have to tell her anymore. I don't have to show her anymore because, well, she should know. You see, it's waking up each and every day and making that conscious decision to love your wife, not just with your lips, but with your actions with your intentions, with your dreams and your desires and aspirations. The Bible says that men should love their wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You see, love is about a relationship. And the whole crux of the matter of how we love God and how we love one another is about a relationship. And so if we go to Mark, we can see the command to love God with, with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and with our strength. We have to love God with our heart, which can be the very part of us where we hold our deepest convictions and emotions and feelings. If you put forth effort with all your heart, that's with all your just every part of you, it's, it comes from the heart. It's like a well that springs up inside of you. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8 reads, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, but, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
Just saying you love God with your lips is not enough. Just saying you love God doesn't qualify you because it has to be in your heart. It has to be in the very deepest convictions you hold to love God. The Bible also commands us that we have to love God with our soul. And the soul can represent the very breath in our body, the very life that we have, the very consciousness that we hold that, that is said that even after we die and our body is passed away, that our soul will remain and, and that's what we will receive when we go up to heaven when our soul meets a glorified body and we spend eternity with Jesus. The soul, the very life in our body, we have to love God with. We have to love God with the life in our bones, the, the very breath that we breathe. We have to love God. The Bible also commands us that we have to love God with our mind. Loving God with our mind is rationalizing and understanding the way we think according to the principles that he put forth in his word that he gave us to live life by. It's taking scripture and looking at it and saying, okay, how does this apply to my life? How can I look through this as a lens to make sense of the order and how life is supposed to be conducted with myself, with others, with my relationships, with my jobs? It's taking and looking at nature and science and saying, how did God design it? To love God with our mind is to guard our mind against the corrupted knowledge and philosophy of the world. And it's to say, what does the Bible say? What does God say about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and what it means to have a relationship and a family and live in society? We have to love God. With our mind, we have to cast down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And lastly, in the portion of Scripture, it says we must love God with our strength. We must love God with our very actions, the very strength in our hands, the very way we live our life we have to love God with. The Bible says that whatsoever your hands find to do, do it with all you can for the glory of God. So whatever you do on your job, do it to the glory of God. And whatever you do in school, do it for the glory of God because we have to love God with how we live our lives. We have to give diligence to the task at hand. We have to give diligence to what we're doing, saying, I'm doing this unto God. Because he gave us that strength in our hands. He gave us the knowledge, the wisdom, and, and the learning that we had. That we can do something. That we can take something in, in raw form and we can create it into something useful. We have to love God with our resources, our finances, and our time. It's not just about one part. Because it, to love God fully, as human, as creation, as God's chosen creation to love God it takes every part of us it's not just something we can do with our lips or do with our actions but it takes something holy from us it takes every part of us not just our words not just our actions but our very deepest convictions and how we live and understand 
It's choosing each and every day to wake up and say, this day I choose to love God. This day I choose to live for Him. True love, simply put, is being a servant. If you would put love in a simple phrase, in a simple word, you would have to say servitude. And we see this in, in John chapter 3 and 16. We, we see this throughout the Bible, this servant mentality, this servant uh, kind of responsibility that the Bible portrays because true love is being a servant. Just as Christ loved us and gave His life for us on the cross, He was serving us. Even until death, He was serving you. He was serving I. He was serving the, the very worst of the worst. He was serving. The Bible says that greater love hath no man than this, that a man may lay down his life for his friends. That there's no greater love than serving someone so much that you give your life for them. That in marriage, there's no greater love than, than serving your spouse, than, than serving so deeply that you put off of what maybe you want or what maybe your dreams are and what your aspirations are and you say, I'm going to serve them with all of me. It's what love is all about. It's, it's serving someone else. It's giving yourself, not just a part of you, but it's giving yourself entirely to someone else. The Bible also says that no man can serve two masters for you will either love one and hate the other or hold one and despise the other. You will despise God if you're only serving yourself. You will despise the very things of God if you're only serving yourself. You will become hurt and offended if you will only serve yourself. You will, you will find offense. You will you will find that you start to despise the things of God and despise the pastor and despise the saints and despise going to church if you're only serving yourself. If you're only serving your career, if you're only serving your own dreams and your own goals and your own motivations, and you'll find yourself serving another master that you can't serve two of, that you can't serve God and you can't serve yourself. You can't serve God and you can't serve money and you can't serve God and you can't serve fame and you can't serve God and you can't serve power. Because you can't serve two masters for you will love one and you will hate the other. You can't serve a relationship with someone else and not serve God. You can't serve your own dreams of, of money and power and fame and fortune and desires and still choose to love God because you're trying to serve two masters and it never works. To love God is to serve Him wholly with every part that you have. 
If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a philosophical book in the Bible that, that Solomon goes and he tries all these things that the world would say you need. That Solomon tries all having all the money and having all the riches. He, he tried to serve fame and he tried to serve power and he tried to serve knowledge and he tried to serve relationships. And he was so powerful and he did all these great things and built great statues and, and he comes down to it. And at the end, the very last chapter, the very last verse, he says, all is vanity of vanities. Meaning it's all empty of emptiness. It's nothing of nothingness. There's no hope in it. There's no final thing inside of it because it's all empty. Everything that we do for this present life is empty. And he says in his final words, he says in this final conclusion, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Our whole duty as men and as women is to fear God. It's to love God. It's to serve God. One Jewish rabbi put it this way, and I think it, it sums up the best that I've heard of what it means to fear God. To fear God means to, it's the fear to operate your, your life outside of the bounds and the provisions of what God has put forth. We all want to be blessed here this morning, right? We all want to have the blessings of God, but we have to live underneath the umbrella of God's blessing. You see, God's judgment in the Bible is a two-sided coin. You can be blessed from His judgment or you can be cursed from His judgment. And to love God, to fear God is to live under that bounds where you're saying, God, I choose for you to judge me and to be blessed. It means we love God and we respect God so much in that we are fearful to operate our lives outside of his order outside of how he created us outside of his his overwhelming word that that he has given to us it's it's fear to operate our lives outside of the favor of God the conclusion to life the conclusion to you and I the conclusion that that we have as men and women in this life and what we try to fulfill the the conclusion is we have to love God wholly. And as I come to the end of my message, I, I want to read probably the scariest verse in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. And Jesus is speaking here. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not in thy name done many wonderful works? And he says to them, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Oh, how I'm scared to hear those words at the end of my life as I take the very last breath. That in a single phrase, all hope of eternity is lost. The hope of living in heaven with Him, the, the hope of dwelling in the new Jerusalem, the Bible says, is lost forever. You see, we cannot fathom what eternity feels like or how long it is compared to the short 80 or 90 or 100 years that, that we might live on the earth. We can't fathom eternity. If a sparrow flew around a lead ball the size of earth with the very tip of its wing touching as it flew around and as it dwindled it down to the size of a marble, it is said that eternity has just begun. That what we do here on earth for those short 80 years, those short 90 years that would impact us for the rest of eternity because we choose not to love God wholly. I don't want my life here on earth to be so centered on pleasing myself that I miss out on eternity with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that, that I don't want this season of pleasure that sin offers to give me, to cost me all eternity with Jesus in paradise. Oh, that we would love God and that we would serve Him because He first loved us. Oh, that we would love God with our whole heart, with our, our whole being, with everything within inside of us. I never knew you. Depart from me. Depart from me because you, you didn't love me with your heart. I never knew you. Depart from me because I never knew you because you chose not to love me with your mind. Depart from me. Depart from me because you chose me to not love me with your whole strength, with, with the very works of your hands. Depart from me for I never knew you. Depart from me for I never knew you. If we could all stand, this, I want to call this, this altar open. That we would look inward and ask, are we loving God with everything that we have? Or are we choosing to love God on Sunday and, oh, well, I went to church this morning. I'm good for the, the rest of the week. I can live how I want to live. Oh, I... I went to church this Wednesday. I'm, I'm good. Oh, I was baptized when I was younger. I, I'm, I think I'm good. It takes something each and every day that we would wake up and say, God, I choose to love you. God, I choose to love you with, with how I live my life, with with my deepest convictions, with my emotions.
as you make your way to the altar this morning and raise your hand as a sign of surrender.